We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I don't think it's any secret that I, I love that team down there. Our whole coaching staff did. Um, I'd go to battle with those guys anytime. That being said, this was a quite a bit better first day than we had uh, on our first day down there. Uh, I think the guys were a little more mentally prepared for it. As coaches, we were all a little better because we've been through this process before. And um, I was really impressed with, with the execution and, and understanding what we're trying to get done on day one. By practicing today, we were uh, able to count this as a practice week, and we had meetings all week with the guys, which really got us ahead as far as schemes on both sides of the ball. Uh, shoot, we, we practiced early and were forced to because of schedule, and most of the team was here at 4 or 4.30 ready to go. And that shows me a lot of uh, intensity and, and that a lot of guys care about what we're trying to get done. It's a big difference for us as a coaching staff that this whole group's been together for two years. You know, some of the continuity in Nebraska's coaching staff for a lot of years made a difference in how good we were. Um, when we were starting this process two years ago with this coaching staff, there were still coaches learning the schemes on both sides. Now everybody knows the schemes, they know their role, um, and it's run a lot smoother, and I think our team mentally is, is way ahead of where I expected it to be. Shoot. Welcome into the club. I love that so much. I love that so much. Uh, the Varsity Club Podcast. What's up, guys? This is Derek Peterson here. I got Jacob Padilla with me this week. What's up, man? Hey, thanks for having me back. I'm glad you are back. We had Greg last week and we missed you. I was at the state tournament for boys basketball. It was busy few days. Yeah, but you had fun and that's I all did. that matters. And I told you that I was going to do this before we came on the air and I'm going to do it. Red on a different shade of red, uh, sweatshirt and sweatpants. But the sweatpants are and one, um, so brownie points for that. Yeah, they're not even sweatpants; they're the button-up pants. Um, <laughs> I my my do they button all the way up and you can just pull them off? Pretty much, yeah. They're the, those old school button-up pants. That's amazing. Um, my uh, <laughs> style can be best described as practical and comfortable. And I'm playing basketball later today, and I've got some basketball shorts on underneath, so I just slap these on and. Uh, I uh, I buy cheap clothes if I can find it because I think your I'm style broke. can best be described as what is closest to my hand when I reach to grab to put clothes on. Uh, is that some, safe some, to say? I mean, all the all the clothes are kind of in the same spot. Okay. Yeah. Today we're talking. But you got nice layers. You got a t-shirt. You got a button up, and then you got the vest on over that. Yeah. Well, I uh, needed to wear a, a longer or a heavier coat because it was like. 70s and I had my windows down and I was rolling down the road and listening to some music yesterday and it was beautiful and now today it's like gloomy and rainy and gross yeah. and cold and it's stupid. Nebraska yeah I guess uh today we're talking Scott Frost Nebraska began spring practice 
really early Friday morning. Um, so we're going to talk about that. I, I said this to Greg earlier. If like 7.30 a.m. availabilities are the price to pay for a culture shift, I want Mike Riley back. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about Scott Frost, and we're going to talk about expectations for this season, and we're going to talk about heading into this season. 100 days of Frost, so we're going to hit on some football a little bit later in the show, we're going to talk about basketball because sad trombone sound. we got to talk about basketball. Uh, they lost to Mississippi State first round in the NIT, and it just was a bad game all around. We'll talk about that later. First, you said you're playing basketball later. Have you watched the tournament? It's pretty much all I did yesterday. Yeah. I think I was trying to think of things that I enjoy in terms of like sporting events, and I was trying to think of days I tweeted this. I don't know that there's a better 48 hours in sports than the first two days of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, no, I absolutely love it. I mean, especially now that they've got um, all the different channels that CBS and Turner are using to put on all the different games. you got the scores up top. You can flip back and forth to the games that you really need to be watching. I'm, I'm not a per- I, As we mentioned earlier, I'm broke, so I don't have the uh, multi-screen like four TVs in the living room type of setup, but um, do a lot of flipping. And well, I don't even have cable, and they have that March. <laughs> they have the March Madness app. Yep, uh, that you can just kind of go back and forth between teams. So I've got that up on my Xbox. I've got it on my computer screen. I've got it on my laptop. It's great. Yeah, fantastic. No, and it's just a hoops junkie's dream. Just nothing but basketball. I think I yelled, screamed, is a better way to put it, yeah. twice in my apartment yesterday. Um, and my neighbors now hate me. But the first one was when Loyola Chicago oh, yes. hit that buzzer beater. That was the best thing ever. This is this is why March Madness is so great. It turns people... I had never seen Loyola Chicago play a game of basketball before. I had never... I didn't know Loyola Chicago was a thing yeah. until I picked them in my bracket to beat Miami. And then when they beat Miami, I was screaming like I was a season ticket holder since 1974. <laughs> And uh, so it there- was awesome. I uh, I actually I knew a little bit about Loyola because uh, they uh, were the team that replaced Creighton in the Missouri Valley. So okay. um, heck of a and they're coached by a Creighton alumnus in uh, Porter Moser, and he's done a heck of a job. I mean, you look at what happened this year. They won the league, obviously, and they basically won every individual award possible. I think they won Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, Freshman of the Year. And maybe six man of the year. I'm not sure, but uh, like they, pretty close to it. I I didn't see all the awards, but they won most of them. I think the best part of them being in the tournament and being successful in the tournament is that people can make jokes about the scarves that the fans wear, (laughs) Uh, because a lot of what I saw yesterday was like three points for Gryffindor. (laughs) Uh, Roger Sherman from the Ringer tweeted out, "Harry caught the snitch" with a picture (laughs) of the crowd going crazy. That uh, this is March. This is what March is all about. And the. Dude that uh, hit the uh, the three uh, on not the game winner but the the previous one on the, the beautiful hammer set um, shot from the corner uh, Clayton Custer that's the player there dude dude's name is Clayton Custer Clayton Custer deserves to be hitting big shots there is not a better name in the Russell. tournament than Fats Russell though no there is not that and that's another that Rhode Island shout that, out Rhode Island that was a great game the roadies too. yeah uh, again we had, we had some really good finishes I mean. Yeah. There, there were a few kind of uh, disappointing games, but... Uh, Arizona? <laughs> Screw Arizona. I believed. I believed. I didn't think anybody could stop DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. Lo and behold, Arizona I want to cuss so bad. De- uh, Alonzo Trier stopped DeAndre Trier. Ayton. He got 10 shots. 
<laughs> you have the number one player in the NBA draft next year, and he took ten shots yeah. in your game. He's yeah. going to be the number one. Don't uh, me. I, He'll be the number one. Did you watch him play defense in that game? Or, I watched or not him play, play in that game. I watched him play uh, in the Pac-12 tournament, and he looked fantastic. Yeah. If Trey Young's not going to get hurt by the tournament, because I don't think he is, DeAndre uh-huh. Ayton's not going to get hurt by the tournament. Well, it, the Pac-12 tournament. Are there any Pac-12 teams left? No, there's in, no Pac-12 the teams that left. Actually but the, the thing is, he doesn't have like four games to to look bad on defense. He's got like one game where they all looked bad, well, and then a bunch of other games throughout the season where it was like, but this no, guy's a monster. He's a monster in terms of putting up numbers and making some highlight plays. Whatever, but the, the defensive issues have been there all year long. That's why a lot of, I mean, just don't sleep on Luka Doncic. That he's he's going to be right there as well. I'm I love the top of this draft. Like all these all these guys have question marks, but they're going to be really good. All of them. So this is whoever, the, whoever the Suns end up with, I think I'm going to end up being happy. This is what the two of us bring to the table. You've got really sound analysis that's that's steeped in basketball knowledge and facts, and I'm over here three points for Gryffindor. <laughs> um, no, that's why we work so well together. It's a great balance. Uh, Scott Frost, let's talk let's oh, talk football. Yeah. Nebraska. Uh, we heard from all the assistants on Wednesday. We got to talk to, to Scott. And then Friday morning, Nebraska began practice. Everybody was there before 4.30. Um, <laughs> I think I had been asleep for like three hours at that point. And, uh, uh, one, two for me. Yeah, yeah. So so about the same time. I mean, that's yeah. that's impressive. And Scott doesn't drink coffee with cream. Or, or he doesn't drink his coffee black. He has to have cream or sweetener or he... In his words, he foofies it up. <laughs> I did not think I'd ever hear the word foofy out of a football coach's mouth. No, no, no. It, uh, my like picture, my image of Scott Frost um, did not include <laughs> drinking like foofied up coffee. Like I thought he was straight black all the way. Like just yeah. give me, like just give me the blackest darkest coffee that you have and give it to me and I'll drink it. Like that was my impression of him. I drink black coffee. Like I don't like putting stuff in my coffee, and I don't drink it. Coffee and I was, at all. I was a little surprised. Um, but he needed coffee because they were up bright and early. Man, we're so off track. Uh, <laughs> up bright and early this morning, and and like you heard in the intro, he said that Nebraska to him looks further along than Central Florida did when they took over that job. That team was six and six in the regular season, lost a bowl game, six and seven, and the next year everybody knows what happened. Um, what do you make of what we have heard from the coaching staff in the last three days? Because this wasn't just Scott saying these guys are further ahead than what we thought they were going to be. It's We heard that from Troy Walters. We've heard that from Ryan Held. We heard that from uh, Jovan DeWitt. We heard that from Traps Fisher. I mean, what do you make of, of what we're hearing from the coaching staff? I think it just kind of highlights a point that we all kind of believed in that this team— didn't lack talent um, in terms of just raw talent, ability. Um, and that'll be an interesting discussion. I'll probably throw this up on the board at some point. But, I mean, which position do you think has the most untapped potential? Because there are a lot – I mean, there are a lot of four-star guys on here. There are a lot of three high three-star guys. Um, there are some guys that have really uh, already got off to great starts from their career, like uh, – uh, JD Spielman. So, like, this team doesn't lack talent. If you're wanting me to talent. answer that question, I would say the corner, secondary. Well, I think I don't know. I don't know what we have in the secondary. Well, uh, outside of Lamar Jackson, I think they're pretty good. Well, I'm just talking about guys that 
should be good that had the potential to be good that haven't been like you could corner yes like lamar high four star um he looks the part um kind of what you're looking for um you go offense yeah offensive line like there are a lot of like highly touted guys on that line coming in um i mean heck nick gates got off to a great start in his career his first year and then kind of went the opposite way from theirs it's so it's, I mean, offensive line is right in there. Linebacker, there are so many guys at that position that just haven't even seen the field at all or seen limited snaps. So, like, you you can go through so many of these different positions. You're like, there's more talent there than last year showed. Definitely. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing now. They're like, oh, now that the coach is starting to get used to it, like, all right, we've got some pieces to work with here. Obviously, them getting to work with Zach Duvall already, it sounds like, the reports have been glowing from that. Um, they've already made a big difference, and uh, I, I think that was kind of the biggest key. If you got guys buying in and putting in the work there, For then sure. I mean the, the talent is going to come out on the field because I think based on what they did at UCF, these guys can coach their positions. They know how to get the most out of players. For sure. A couple points that I want to make off of things that you said. The first one, we got a little bit of slander in there. Travis Fisher said Wednesday – that there are going to be guys that are going to have a 24-hour yeah. decision, what he called it. He said, if you're not sticking your nose in there, if you're not getting dirty, if you're not hitting people, you're not going to play for them, you're going to have a 24-hour decision to make. I feel like, based off of what we've seen, Lamar is going to be one of those guys that's going to have one of those, quote-unquote, 24-hour decisions to make. I I would like to say that he makes the correct decision. I would like to say that this is the staff that can get the, the four-star corner Lamar Jackson. I would like to say that. that. That's their track record. Also, on Nick Gates, he might end up being a draft pick. So I feel like the, the Nick Gates slander, like he might, be, he might get taken in the NFL draft, and a lot of people are talking about him as a guard as opposed to a tackle. Maybe that was a reason nobody liked Nick Gates at Nebraska because he was playing left tackle instead of inside a guard. They talked about leaders. Frost talked about, about having guys that have stepped up in leaders. He talked about Stanley Morgan. Talked about uh, Mick Stoltenberg. Talked about Gerald Foster. Uh, another guy that he threw in it. He was talking about veterans, guys yeah. that have been around for a while. He threw Ben Stilley into that mix. Hmm. Stilley has been here for a year. And I was talking to... Well, two. Well, he, he was a redshirt. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was talking to Schmitty, and you know, I, I thought that Ben Stilley was a guy that might be a leader, a vocal leader, a guy that was... A, a leader on the field and, and kind of like a spiritual guy in that defense, similar to the way that Luke Gifford played for that defense last year before he got hurt, uh, just based on body language and the types of things that he was saying late in the season. And, and maybe that's the case. If they've got guys that are that are stepping up and, and they've been taking before and after pictures, I'm going to be really curious to see what those look like in terms of the body transformations that they've gone through. I think that this team is, is going to be surprising some people. I think they're like Scott said, ahead of schedule. I think they are uh, not going to go 6-7 and seven this year. Let's move move forward and talk about expectations for this season because I think we have a little bit different viewpoints on yeah. on on how they're going to do based on what we've heard. Um, looking at the schedule, what do you think? I, I'm looking at the 6-8 to eight range. Um, just... Kind of the way I'm breaking it down into teams that I think, oh, they'll they'll beat for sure, some kind of toss-ups, and then uh, some ones that I think would be a real upset if they can make it happen. And I'm just choosing to be conservative here until I see something different. Because I was 
all on board last year. It's like, oh, there's no way they're six and six team. Like everybody was saying, like they they got talent here. They're gonna be good. Uh, what did and, you say win total last year? What uh, was your win total? Eight, I think, is what I settled on. I think I said ten. You did. I think I went all in and said yes. ten. I went all in on Tanner Lee. So, yeah. And then uh, <laughs> after last season, I was like, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to be very, very like conservative this year. And now here I am about yeah. to go all in. Okay, continue. Yeah, so I, I think I'll settle on seven as just kind of my base projection. Seven wins in the regular season, not, not factoring in a bowl game at this point. Um, so I, I think that's where I'm settled in just as the first year um, having not seen – like they're they're talking up all far ahead of where we were. Our guys are doing great in strength and conditioning, but yeah. how much can you really change in one off season with most of the same guys? And so it's either going to be most of the same guys that went four and eight last year, or it's going to be freshmen. It's going to be JUCO guys. It's going to be new guys that haven't played before. So if, if it, the if the bulk of what you have to change is mental, because a lot of what went wrong last season was mental. I think that you can do something in one off season. Um, yeah, I think you, you know, can you, start to change that culture. Changing the culture, yeah. And part of it, maybe they're <laughs> out of shape. Yeah. Uh, and like, I really want to see those before and after pictures. Like, I keep yeah. going to that. I want to. I really want to see those. I think that would be cool for them to release those. Maybe when you know you get one of those like Victor Oladipo things, where like three weeks later he's got a ten pack. Um, <laughs> like, like I, there are a couple guys that look like we look, we. Saw Mo Berry on Wednesday, and he looked huge. Uh, Freedom looked huge. He squats like 700 pounds now. Um, you know, I, I, you know, you could change a lot in one yeah. off season if all you got to do is mental. And then, so yeah, you. Could, I think they're definitely going to change that culture. They're going to start to get that off season uh, gains kind of going and rolling, and they're going to be in better shape than they were. Were but the defense, third defense in three years. Offense, completely different, complete shift from last year. Offensive line, you're going to be throwing in some guys that either didn't, haven't performed or are completely inexperienced. So it's just there's so many question marks on this team right now that it's hard for me to – I mean, could they win eight, nine games? I mean, just look on the schedule. Yeah, I mean, I'm not blown away. Like, they've got some tough ones, but, I, I mean – uh, we also we'll have to see how they're able to do away from home under Frost and kind of how um, the, he can get them going because they're going to have a lot. So that first Michigan game is going to tell us a lot about how the season is going to go. Because yeah. I think both of us are in agreement that three and zero in non conference. Yeah, Akron's you know not going to scare you. Troy's not going to scare you. Colorado was bad last year. Yeah. I think the the prevailing thought is that they'll be bad again this year. Um, I when I looked at when I look at the schedule, I see seven that are absolute wins. Seven that I don't see Nebraska losing, and that's the three non-conference. That's Purdue at home because I think being at home is big. Um, that's Minnesota at home because I don't think Minnesota is going to be scoring fifty points like they did last year. Uh, that's Illinois at home because Illinois is going to be bad again, uh, and that's Iowa on the road. That already puts you at seven. So uh, of the five left, Michigan, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Ohio State, Michigan State, they're not going to beat Ohio State. It, depending on how they do at Michigan, I could see eight wins easy. I could see them competing and being in games late and being a team that you could look back on at the end of the season and be like, they almost could have got to nine. 
See, I, I've covered this team for three years now, and I've seen too many Nebraska-Iowa games to put that in the, oh, they're going to win this category. I mean, I haven't, Iowa's had various levels of talent over the last three years, and like, I've never thought they were overwhelming compared to Nebraska, and Nebraska just hasn't got done. I think they're um, going to beat Iowa. I, I mean... Oh, should we make a bet on the podcast right now? Should we make a, a binding bet on the podcast? No, because that's November 23rd. That's the very last game of the year. I yeah, no... this, is, this is when you do these kind of things. Heck no. This is I'm when not... you do these kind of things. No, I, you I don't, don't want to make a bet. No. You don't want to make a bet. No, I'm not going to bet. you got to live a little. I'm not going to bet on Iowa to beat Nebraska. We're not going to do any kind of money or anything. It's going to be kind of like Jalen Hurts and Charles Barkley in the Alabama gear. <laughs> I No? No. Because... <laughs> It's a lose-lose. I either have to bet on Iowa <laughs> or I'm going to lose the – like, I, I, I'm i not betting gonna, on I'm any I'm going to try to get you to do this. Six months. And we're going to put you in out. Lakers gear. Yeah. This is when well, you're supposed to do this, though. This is this is when the hot take cannon is, is on full speed. I'm not a hot take guy. I'm a – analyze what you got to channel your inner Skip Bayless. All right. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> so – Seven for you, conservative. Yes. Are you buying wholeheartedly all of this? We are further than we thought we were going to be. We're better than we were when we started at Central Florida. Or do you think a little bit of this is motivation to keep guys going? I think a little bit because they were pretty outspoken about what they walked into at first, I think. So now I think it's kind of like they're now it's so that was the tough love. Now they're kind of being the reinforcing um, like, oh, you guys are doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Like, we got a lot of work here. So I don't necessarily know if it's all all the glowing reports are 100% true. But I definitely think it's closer to that side than them just lying straight up to us. I think they are definitely impressed with the process or the progress the team has made to this point and what they're doing. And hopefully that kind of buy-in will last all season and everybody – because it just – Previous savages never happened. I mean, you heard about all these um, just kind of differing factions throughout the team, and they just never got past that. And uh, Riley didn't make an entire um, like cycle through here to get his own guys in. I mean, the whole time through, he was battling to try to win over guys that he didn't recruit, and it just didn't work. Definitely. And I think this next week, I, I love that Scott set this up the way that he did, um, because I think part of... Like, they wanted to get meetings in all of this week, and by practicing on Friday, they were able to get meetings in before spring break. And that, I, I think there's another side of it that's psychological that they were going to practice this first day. They were going to show the team this is what practice is going to be like. And they were going to send them on spring break. Scott got asked what his message was to the players as they were leaving, and he just said, be smart. And he also said, we don't have rules, just make the right decisions. And that I think part of that is letting the guys have a little bit of freedom and seeing who comes back ready to go, who who goes out and parties all yeah. week and, and kind of messes around and kind of undoes a little bit of the work that they've done, and who comes back ready to go, like right from the jump, yeah. like ready to go. And I think part of that is him trying, or them, that whole staff maybe weeding out some people. Yeah. Um, I didn't think about that, but that's a really good point. I, it's I, the first test. Yeah. Definitely. To see what the buy-in factor is because, you know, he, he said Wednesday that they're not going to yell at players, they're not going to cuss out players. They're not, I mean, he's not going to say anything disparaging in the media, but I, I think they're also setting things up to where um, there's a lot of praise now, but you guys got to continue to work. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's the only way you can do it And at this point. 
heck, there's they still don't know their whole roster. Like they're still no. trying to get to know these guys. They yeah. just started, so this is kind of a a good way for like let the guys either prove themselves or kind of hang themselves at their own rope. Like go right. show they, who it, you are. They legitimately have three quarterbacks that could start the opening game, and they haven't seen any of them throw a ball yeah. until today. That's and the funniest thing. I mean. It's unfortunate for Noah Vedro, but heck, he might start day one right now if he was eligible, just based on yeah, uh, his skill set and knowledge of the system right now. Is you got the three guys like no, I think Noah's going to be a big help in teaching these guys and installing the offense or whatever. But you got three guys that haven't run it. You have no idea. I mean, and heck, none. Of, I mean, so Patrick played a little bit. Um, Tristan didn't None of them scout had team game experience. And is what you're getting at. Yeah, and Adrian Martinez didn't even get to play his senior year. Mm-hmm. He's played that one like all-star game and that's the only football he's played since mm-hmm. his junior year of high school. Yep. And that's why I I kind of lean towards Jebia in terms of who I think will emerge just based on cuz I don't think Martinez can make that make up that much ground that quickly after missing that much time. If Jebia hadn't grown like he has grown this offseason, I think it would have been closer, but I think him being like Six four now, and apparently like like yoked. I think he's he's in a little bit of. Better I think position. yoked is a little generous, but well, he de- compared, he's, he's definitely to what he was when he got yeah. here. He doesn't look twelve anymore. <laughs> no, he doesn't look twelve anymore. Let's shift gears a little bit. Talk about Nebraska. Oh boy, what was the score? Sixty six to fifty nine. Was that the score? I think I blocked everything out of my. Memory. That is accurate. Um, yeah. So so on the road at Mississippi State. Um, Made their bones about being a five seed. Made their bones about not being in the NCAA tournament. Um, very upset. Very very vocal about feeling like they got slapped in the face. Feeling like they were angry. Um, wanting to go prove a point. And then plop. And um, I I had someone like talk with someone within the program like after that Michigan game, and he told me just straight up then we're losing our first NIT game like this. They knew at that point they weren't going to make the tournament, and they knew at this point like it was just going to be so deflating. Like he's like one and done, that's it. And that's he ended. I texted him like um, midway through the second half. I was like, "Well, you called it." Um, just the way things were looking, and well, that, you could have sent that text message in the first half. Yeah, they were shooting poopy from the floor. Yeah. Well, and unfortunately, that's not the only. I mean, that's not a rare occurrence this season. But they well, I mean, they couldn't shoot. They couldn't guard the pick and roll. Uh, they had no rhythm. They had no yeah. fire. I mean, you saw guys sitting on the bench, and that anger can only take you so far. Like you, you yeah. can't play an entire tournament angry that you didn't. Like at a certain point, you have to because like if something does go wrong, are you just gonna get mad at your situation? You're like, you know what? No, I'm gonna play through this. We're gonna fix this. Like the, you need a better motivation than feeling than that kind of chip on your shoulder in this case. Because again, things didn't go wrong, and they didn't react or didn't go right, and they didn't react to it well. And I think they just kind of they got mad at the world because they weren't where they thought they deserved to be. And it sucks. I, I wrote this in my three takeaways. It sucks that that's how the season ended. Yeah. It sucks that that after all of the good that they had, that it seems like it all kind of just went downhill after Illinois. There was like this very very thin bubble, and it yeah. just popped, and it popped so spectacularly, and you saw the 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 law the just blow out they got blown off the floor by Michigan uh, Michigan looked really good in that tournament they won the tournament I think they're going to be good in, in the NCAA tournament but I mean you can't you can't get blown off the floor and then to come out the way that they came out and and there, I, there was a point in the second half 
where Palmer got that bucket and or, or the free throws that put him up 51 to 50 and I kind of thought to myself maybe this is it maybe this is here we go and then it just didn't happen no I think they went one for 10 uh like made one of their next 10 shots after taking the lead and half of those shots were threes so they just kept settling for jumpers that hadn't been falling all game. They went six to twenty-two from three. And that's a pro- that's been a problem on the road all season long. They settled for three-point jump shots, and they don't make. And they them. don't fall. Yeah, um, and they can shoot, and they can They weren't efficient inside the arc either. Like they shot forty percent on two pointers, and that's the eleventh time this season that Nebraska shot under forty percent from the field. That is atrocious. That's a third of your games. How many of those were on the road? I bet most of those were on the road. I, I didn't look at the home road. Because I, I remember I was when we were going through the season and I was doing takeaways after each game, I remember I had a running log of, of games, uh, of the splits, road versus home, um, true road games. And when they were in true road games, the shooting was awful. Like it was like there was like a six-point percentage difference between home and road. Uh, the three-point numbers were... The, the attempts were up, the makes were down, the percentage was down. It was just the, the splits were all wonky, and it was because they were settling, like you said. I think we're both expecting a little bit of attrition. Yeah, it'll be interesting. That That's kind of been the story with Tim Miles' teams in Nebraska every single year. You've lost a num- multiple guys every year since his second year here. And um, it's been a mix of big-time, some of your best players, your leading scorers, and it's been kind of role players, bottom bench type of guys. And it'll be interesting. There's some guys to watch this year like there are. I mean, Jack McVeigh is a guy who kind of saw his role almost completely disappear. And he did a great job of buying into the team um, aspect. He was part of that bench mob and played a few minutes here and there when called upon. But he, uh, he was a DNP for most of the season, uh, most of the Big Ten season. And uh, he's a guy that I think... Uh, could potentially just say, all right, I've, I've had enough of college and just head back home and uh, play back in Australia. I think he'd have some opportunities to play professionally over there, and he might decide um, that's what's best for him at this point. So that's the one to look out for. And then you've got James Palmer Jr. and Isaac Copeland. Those are the big ones. Um, they're both fourth-year juniors, um, so they've both been in college for four years now. Um, they could potentially have their degree if they took care of business uh, in the classroom. Copeland, in particular, has been through that serious back injury. Um, he's a guy that I don't think I don't see the NBA in his future. Um, so could he potentially look to just start that clock on making money as a professional basketball player overseas in the G League or whatever it may be? Um, maybe so. Would he potentially grad transfer? It, he's just kind of a, a mystery. Um, I, I, it's hard to get a read on him. Just uh, talking to him and just kind of just kind of the air he gives off. Palmer, I think, is a little bit more invested in the team. Yeah, I think Palmer's happy. Just talking yeah. to him with yeah. the, the interview that I had, I think he's happy here. And I think you know when when I asked him about missing the tournament, yeah. if if they would miss the tournament, and just kind of what that would do, he he seems like he's a guy that wants to make it work here. Yeah. Wants to do something here. Unfinished business. Yeah, un- definitely unfinished business. And I don't think that he's ready for the NBA. And I would I th- agree. I think if he tries to look into that, I think he's going to that's what he's going to hear is that he's not ready and he needs to 
to work on his game a little bit more in St. College a little bit more, and I think ultimately he will come back. And I think that's exactly what we're going to see. He's going to go through the NBA draft evaluation process. He's not going to hire an agent. He's going to go through, do some workouts, hear what some scouts have to say. And But he is a guy, like compared to Copeland, he's a guy that is on radars at this point. Yeah. The second half of the Big Ten season kind of turns him heads like, oh, hey, this guy is interesting. I mean, 6'6". Six, six, Long arms, really get to the basket. Like those, those are appealing traits at that level. Well, but, SI did a did a piece yeah. in the Big Ten tournament where they talked about um, draft prospects to watch for. And you're in the Big Ten tournament, and you've got like Michigan State and Ohio State with their guys, and Purdue with their guys, and Michigan with their guys. And then here's a Nebraska player that's yeah. thrown in there. I mean, when was the last time that happened? Like he's definitely a guy that people are thinking about, looking at. And he needs to refine the game a little bit more. And he needs to come back. Um, I think he did a great job of showing his playmaking down the last 10 or so games. He did a much better job of setting up his teammates as he got more defensive attention. We know he can get to the basket. We know he's good in transition. He needs to show that he can be a better three-point shooter than yeah. he has been, or he needs to lock in defensively. Like one, I think the three-point shooting in particular is really uh, important, but if he can show to be a... Uh, a two-way player as well that guy can contribute on the defensive end which hasn't necessarily been the case he's got some tools on that side so i think he has something to gain by coming back i mean he'll be a 23 year old senior or whatever um whatever he is um so that i mean at that i mean it's a lot of guys that come back as fifth year seniors they don't necessarily get as much um teams just don't value that as much but at the same time if he shows that he can be really good uh and can be effective from the three-point line in addition to what he showed this year then he's got a chance to be a second round pick for sure and get in some camps and potentially earn a roster spot if they lose a couple guys add that to already losing a couple of guys each season under miles add that to having your second best uh record in program history and not even really being close to the ncaa tournament and then flaming out um in the big 10 tournament and the nit what do you do with Miles at this point? Because he's presenting his, his five-year plan to Bill Moose. I don't know you I don't know that you can get rid of a coach that just won twenty-two games and the most conference league games that your program has ever won. I don't think you can immediately turn around and get rid of that coach. Yeah. Especially when the most powerful man in your state right now, being Scott Frost, just said in front of a bunch of media people two days ago that Nebraska got into problems when it fired coaches that won. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't I don't know that that would go over well. What do you do? Yeah, and that's kind of... You're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place here. He, What he did this year doesn't... Deserve, he deserves uh, to stay after what he did this year, what he accomplished. He's been building this program up over the last couple of years to this te- to field this team. He's got better athletes. He's got better players than he has. So on that one hand, like he hasn't done necessarily something that should get him fired. On the other hand, Nebraska has had the same problems every single year, and it's not getting better. So you as Bill Moose have to decide – can Miles convince you that he can fix these problems? And the problems would be offense. It would be shot selection. It would be overall skill level. Knowing what a good shot is and how to generate that good shot and then being able to hit it. Those are the three biggest problems. And that's why you see so many scoring droughts and so many 
bad shooting game than so many games under 60 points for Nebraska. Defensively, they're good enough to compete with most teams. I mean, they had a couple of slip-ups here and there, but... Um, well, yeah, you held you held miss an, an SEC team that went even in league play to 60 points on their home court, and you lost. Yeah. And you, you weren't close. Yeah. So it they got to show a plan for how these... Whether these guys coming in, these guys that are sitting on the bench, how can these guys improve your offense? Because that is the only way for them to make the leap to the next level is to bring that same kind of scrappy, aggressive defense, but also be able to hit shots. And that's something that Miles' teams just haven't done outside of like individual ability, like Palmer hitting some tough ones, Teran Pedway back in the day, um, like hitting some crazy pull-up shots, like... Uh, so that's kind of relied more on individual ability than he has system, than he has uh, just team offense. And, and that's re- something that has to improve. Yeah, and I really like Tim Miles. I've been really, really impressed with him in the, the first year here. But there was, like, you know, I was saying that, oh, this team is going to win a game in the NCAA tournament. And, and you were like, just wait, just yeah. wait. And then during the Michigan game, you slacked me, and you're like, this is why. <laughs> um, you know, I, I like Tim, but I also think, Part of this is going to be who else is out there. Yeah. And also part of this is, like, there are going to be some jobs open this summer. Yeah. And you got and the, Nebraska is not exactly the most appealing destination for a, a, a head basketball coach that's going to come in and improve upon a 22 and, and 11, 13 and 5 season. And you've got the whole FBI cloud hanging over things. What's going to fall out with some of these other programs? So, yeah, I, I think ultimately that he is going to come back, but he has he has to change some things. He has to do better uh, offensively. And I, Michael Lewis, I think, was a uh, part of kind of they did adjust some things offensively this year based on what they had been doing, and it was better at times. But, I mean, in, in moments, he kind of reverted just back to the same old stuff. And What you got going on in the coming days? What's cooking up? Uh, I'm not quite sure yet. We're just no. kind of making our way through some of this stuff from um, the football. There's some great stuff, talking to all those. Everyone I talked to, I didn't get through the whole. I got to Joe Van Duet, uh, Sean Becton, uh, Greg Austin, uh, for the most part. And those guys were just awesome. Great stuff. I think between the three of us that were there, we've got, like, two or three hours worth of audio well they they were basically there for 50 minutes i think we're gonna work our way through that um i'll i'll see I, i'm gonna try to uh, talk to a, a future husker baseball player here who had a great uh basketball season um gotta uh, get together with him and get that interview done um and then we'll kind of just see what else comes up out of there unfortunately there's no more basketball to write about and I mean, women's basketball. Of, yeah. Well, yeah. Hopefully, Saturday night, hopefully women they can make a run. There's a 10 seed. Arizona State at Texas. Arizona, Arizona State uh, featuring a prominent uh, former uh, Nebraska high school player here. Uh, Kiana Ibis is Arizona State, one of their best players. And it feels like there's a lot of, of former Nebraska kids that are elsewhere that are not playing for Nebraska. That is accurate. It seems like a problem. Seems like that probably needs to change. Don't get the local people even started on that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've got, I'm going to have something up on Do It because he was talking about like teaching football tackle angles using like physics terminology and physics examples. He was at West Point and I didn't know anything that he was saying, but it sounded interesting. (laughs) So we're going to try to work my way through that and and just keep it with Hale Varsity. Uh, Just keep it here. We'll be back next week. Thanks, guys. Jacob, thanks for joining me. Thank you.
Thank you. I had fun. Yeah, it was great. Talk to you guys later.